Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Now podcast. At Calvary, our mission is to set people's hope in God and engage in the mission of God. Right now, we are in our Advent series, where we look at how Jesus is our hope, peace, joy, and love. Well, good morning, Calvary family. I hope that you have had a a good Sunday thus far. My name is Josh Hill. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. So thankful to be with you on this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, Pastor Will and his family spent Thanksgiving in Indiana, and they're traveling back this morning so you can uh, be prayerful for them as they travel. But I'm glad that each one of you are here. If you're a guest with us today, I'm especially glad that you're here. Um, We hope that today that you feel encouragement and uh, the joy uh, that is found in our church family. And it's our hope, it's our prayer, it's our desire um, for you and your family uh, to join what God is doing here. So we're glad um, that you are here. I also wanna welcome all of you latecomers to the Christmas season, right? Many of you did not know that Christmas started on October 1st, but, and you've been making excuses since then, but they are now gone. There are no more excuses. Halloween has passed. Thanksgiving is gone. So welcome to the Christmas season. It's time for Bing's White Christmas to be playing through the speakers, for Mariah's Oh Holy Night to be, to be hitting those speakers. It's time for your TVs to be on a constant rotation of Miracle on 34th Street and Elf and Christmas Vacation. It is time. We are here. Time to get those trees up, the lights around the house, the inflatables out in the yard. It is Christmas season, and that makes me very happy. But I've been very happy since October 1st because that's really when when it starts. So as a church, this weekend, we're also jumping in to the Christmas season, and we're gonna begin a series around Advent. You know, when we hear the word Advent, here's what I want us to to have come to mind. Ultimately, the word Advent simply means the coming. And it is a season for Christ followers to reflect and to celebrate God coming to earth, taking on flesh, dwelling among us. I love the way that Noelle Piper speaks of Advent. She says this, we are a people of promise. For centuries, God prepared people for the coming of his son, our only hope for life. At Christmas, we celebrate the fulfillment of the promises God made, that he would give a way to draw near to him. We Christians on this side of Jesus' birth are a God-blessed, happy people because we know God's plan. The ancient waiting is over and we have the greatest reason to celebrate. So may that be true of us in this Advent season. Now, the first Sunday of Advent is technically next Sunday, but as you've already heard, it's never a bad thing to start a little early. So we're jumping in and over the next five Sundays, we're gonna be looking at Jesus. We're gonna adore Jesus. We're gonna look at him as our hope. We're gonna look at Jesus as our peace, as our love, as our joy, and ultimately the faith that is found in Christ and Christ alone on Christmas Eve. I wanna take just a moment and, and encourage you and maybe challenge you to be really intentional in this Advent season. There are um, tremendous resources for us out there on Advent. Just a couple of my favorites. One, Desiring God Ministries puts out an, an app that actually runs through the year, but I especially love it during the Advent season. It's called Solid Joys. It's easy every morning, just pops up on your phone and you can read that through the season. Another good resource is a book um, by Paul Tripp called Come Let Us Adore Him, one of my favorite resources for this time of the year. Out in the lobby, we have a, a couple of good 
resources. One is Advent Blocks. Families, mom and dad, if you're not doing Advent Blocks with your kids, man, it's such a good um, resource for you. Our family does it. Um, we love using that resource. And then there's also a devotion uh, that is along with Advent Blocks, but you can, you can get that separately um, for, um, for your individual devotion. So I wanna encourage you in those ways in this season to be really intentional. And then as a church family, we have some great opportunities coming up throughout uh, the month of December, including this Friday night, launching off into the Advent season with a night of Christmas worship. So I wanna invite you back Friday night at seven o'clock right here at the Peacehaven campus. All our campuses are coming together for a night of Christmas worship. So we're excited about doing that. And with all that in mind about Advent, today we're gonna jump into the book of Isaiah and chapter nine as we look at Jesus, our hope. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, you can go ahead and open those up um, or turn them on and head over to Isaiah chapter nine. You know, we oftentimes throw the word hope around, right? We'll say things like, I hope it rains or I hope it snows 15 inches this winter, which by the way, a lot of meteorologists are saying, that this is the year. El Nino has come and we are gonna get 15 inches of snow in Clemens. I'm praying for that and much more, right? We say that I hope I get that job or I hope I make the team or I hope she or he likes me or I hope and you fill in the blank. What are you hoping for? But the word hope is used over 200 times in the Bible and it doesn't mean wishful thinking but rather it means contagious enthusiasm for what will come. Contagious enthusiasm for what will come. And so as we look at our passage today, we do so as a people who live in the tension of the now and the not yet. And there are pieces of Jesus' established kingdom that we see breaking through, but these pieces are just a taste of what is to come when he makes all things new. And so we say it often around here that Jesus is our hope in this life and he's our hope in the life to come. Contagious enthusiasm for what will come. So let's read together Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse one. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Father, today as we come to the teaching of your word, we're reminded that your word will never return void. And as, as a people today, that we will make a choice as we hear and we listen, we 
We'll make a choice to either say yes to what you would have us do from here, or we'll say no. God, I pray we'd be a people who say yes, that we would hear your spirit moving and working in our lives and that it would change us as we go forward for your sake and for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. You know, what we find in Isaiah 9 is a birth announcement, right? Everybody loves a good birth announcement, right? We, we love to celebrate those. We, we find much joy in birth announcements. In fact, nowadays, as technology has advanced, advanced and we can find out the gender um, beforehand, we have now thrown all kinds of pomp and circumstance around a gender reveal, right? We have balloons that pop and out burst, either pink or blue. We have cupcakes that you can bite into or a cake that you can slice, right? We have baseballs now that you can throw up and hit or a golf ball you can hit off the tee and it busts and you get either pink dust or blue dust and you know it's a boy or a girl. And then there's my favorite. You can purchase Tannerite and shoot it with a gun and it blows up and you can have pink or um, blue, Right? We've put all kinds of pomp and circumstance around birth announcements. We have the gender reveals. This birth announcement did not come with all the pomp and circumstance, but it did come with a gender reveal. But it came without the popping balloons. It came without an ultrasound. And in fact, it came without a pregnancy. And this birth announcement came none too soon for the Israelite people as they found themselves in an incredibly hopeless state. They found themselves in darkness. At the end of chapter eight, we find just how hopeless of circumstances they have found themselves in. So we look back to chapter eight, we, it helps us get a picture and a context for what's coming in chapter nine. In chapter eight, verse 21, it says, they will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust in to thick darkness. The people of Israel are in deep darkness. They find themselves in a state of hopelessness. They look Up, they look down, they can find no way out. They see no hope in sight. In 2 Kings, we find the account of the Israelites' capture and their turning against God where this began. See, they turned their backs on God and began worshiping idols. And as a result, God has brought judgment upon them. The reality is that rebellion always brings consequences. Israelite people led by a wicked king, Ahaz. Israel's about to be dominated as two wicked kings form an alliance against Ahaz. People are going to die. Family members are going to be torn apart. And rather than trusting God, Ahaz formed an alliance with the wicked king of Assyria that leads to disaster. See, God told Israel not to form alliances with pagan nations because they'd influence Israel to shipwreck their faith. So God sends Isaiah to warn Ahaz to trust God rather than an alliance with pagan kings. But Ahaz, has thought, but Ahaz thought he was smarter than God. He said to Isaiah, you're a prophet. You don't know anything about war or politics or military alliances. I'm the king, I know what I'm doing. And as a result, Israel was pummeled and generations were taken into captivity. And it was a dark and hopeless time. 
then Isaiah in chapter 9 brings an announcement of hope. An announcement of hope. And if you're taking notes, that'll be kind of the first bullet for you today. An announcement of hope. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. If you're taking notes in there, there in your Bible, I love this um, contrast here. In the first line, gloom. That fourth line, glorious. Circle gloom, circle glorious, and, and, and draw a little line to it because he's taken their gloom to glory. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Here's the reality of the prophets in the Old Testament. They oftentimes get a bad rap. In fact, in their time, they weren't exactly the most popular people when they were walking down the street in their neighborhoods and in their community, right? They often delivered bad news, news of destruction, news of impending judgment. The news they brought didn't exactly conjure up emotions of joy and happiness and excitement and anticipation, right? It brought about anxiety, right? It brought about sadness. It brought about anger. Yet here we find Isaiah bringing good news. Things are different. God through Isaiah is bringing good news to the Israelite people. We find him looking at them and saying to them, God's saying to the Israelite people, I see you. I see you and I know where you've been. I see you and I know where you are. I see you and despite your choices to turn from me, I'm not leaving you. You are my people, I love you, I see you, and despite what you've done, I'm not leaving you. He's saying the darkness will soon end. You will see and you will know a great light. Man, our family loves to go look at Christmas lights. All right, we um, enjoy driving around neighborhoods looking at Christmas lights. We enjoy driving over to Oak Valley and seeing Pastor Stevens set up because he's got about 25 to 30 inflatables set up in his yard. I mean, it is, it is a good display. In fact, tonight, if you don't already have plans um, around the eight o'clock time, whenever lights really get, get going well, I think you should go by Pastor Stevens' house in Oak Valley and see those inflatables. But we love to do that as a family. Not only neighborhoods, but I really love driving around back roads. Um, my dad taught me how to drive on back roads and we, for the longest time, I grew up in Clemens, we would avoid 421 and 40 because he felt like he could get anywhere in Clemens, Louisville, Winston-Salem without touching an interstate. So he taught me all the back roads. And at Christmas time, we would drive the back roads and see the lights. And one of the greatest things about driving the back roads and seeing the lights is that you're driving through streets that have no street lights right? And you are driving through darkness other than your headlights. And then you come over the hill and you see the house, right? That, that, that is almost like Clark Griswold himself has been there helping decorate. And then those lights are just, just shining. It is a, a beacon right there. It is penetrating the darkness. Man, that's a, one of my favorite things to do is go drive back roads, see those Christmas lights, the realities that we know about light is that where light exists, darkness cannot. Where darkness exists, where, where light exists, darkness cannot. So in this announcement, he says, a light is coming. 
It'll pierce the darkness. It'll penetrate the darkness. The darkness cannot exist. So not only do we see an announcement of hope, but we also see the source of hope. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here it is, the announcement of Christmas, a new governor, a new ruler to rule in a new kingdom established. Isaiah declares that the government will be on his shoulders, meaning that all things will rely on his rule. Remember, the announcement of this baby to be born comes much different than we would think of in the announcement of a new child. It came early. It came with multiple names and it came with given accomplishments. Those accomplishments is that this governor, this ruler, this baby to be born will be first a wonderful counselor. It means he will rule with great wisdom. He will have for us the answers for life. Jesus came and is our wonderful counselor today, church. Wonderful points to his deity. It's a supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. Isaiah 28, 29 says, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Romans eleven thirty three through 36, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? See, church, his wisdom is given to us not from a Christ who is far off, but rather a Christ who is intimately involved in our lives. His eye is upon us. He sees you. He knows you. He wants hope for your life. Christmas reminds us of this even more, that Jesus took on flesh. He dwelt among us. He dwells with us now as believers. As we think about God as our wonderful counselor, it's important to realize and recognize that God's counsel is never improved upon by us. God's counsel is never improved upon by us. Had a pastor friend many years ago say, a good thing of reminding yourselves before you go to bed each night is say, you are God and I am not. You are God and I am not. There's nothing that we can do to improve on God's counsel for our life. See, when we lean on our own wisdom, it leads to isolation and suffering. Proverbs 1 speaks to this. It says, for the simple are killed by their turning away and complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Eugene Peterson would say it this way. He is not a dictator, but a counselor. He listens more than he talks. He comprehends our needs and helps us find ways to meet them. He pays attention to us. When we are in his presence, we know we are significant, important, unique. And the result is that we find a will and the means to live with zest. So friends, where are you receiving counsel from? Who or what are you listening to and following? Not only is he our wonderful counselor, but he's our mighty God. He rules with great strength. Let's, let's just think of some of Jesus' ministry, right? As we look at the Christmas story, he didn't necessarily come in mighty strength and power as most has, had expected. In fact, Christmas points us to see that he came humbly in a lowly manger, not a warrior, but a servant. 
Yet we see throughout his ministry that he is indeed powerful. Just think through a, a few of his miracles, right? We read the sick to be made well, the blind made to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and the dead to rise. I think about the, the storm when he's out on the boat with his disciples and the storm's all around and they're fearful for their life and they wake, wake Jesus up and you can imagine that he kind of opens his eyes, lifts his hands, lets out a little yawn and says, be still. And the waters are still. The storm is gone. Our mighty God. From his miracles, we look to an ever greater reality of his deity. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hebrews 1, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So I ask you, whose strength are you relying on? Who or what are you hiding behind? Isaiah says this baby to be born, not only is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, but he's our everlasting father. He'll be a ruler who rules with great care for his children. What are we to make of this claim? That he's going to be an everlasting father and rule with great care. Isaiah 53, 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He's caring for us. He's a kind father. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but rather I will come to you. Jesus say, Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel, Jesus is coming in significant ways to be father-like. I think the reality in this room today, you may have had one of the greatest fathers that you could imagine. Some of you didn't have a father or had a father you wish you wouldn't have had. No matter what you see as an earthly father in your life, Jesus came as a perfect father, one who cares, one who loves, one who is kind, Christmas is a reminder of, of how much um, our Heavenly Father wants to give His good, kids good gifts. All right, if you're a dad in the room or a mom in the room, just think about how much joy it brings you to give your kids gifts. I love giving my kids gifts. I love the joy that is in their face when they open up a gift, the surprise in their eyes. And how much more that we love giving our kids good gifts does our Heavenly Father love giving good gifts to us. David Platt would say about this, an imperfect father, but Jesus is our perfect father. The picture is this, Jesus, the mighty God and everlasting father who longs to take care of us, who longs to provide for us and help us and love us and serve us and help us grow into all that we can be. This is the picture of Jesus. He loves us as an everlasting father. He protects us as an everlasting father. He cares for us as an everlasting father, a perfect father forever. So friends, do you rest in the care of the everlasting father? Do you enjoy him as a perfect father? So this baby's not only coming as a wonderful counselor, he's not only coming as a mighty God and everlasting father, but he's coming as the prince of peace. 
His rule produces great peace. This is such good news. In a world of turmoil, in a world of not peace, and a world of wars and strife and division and enmity and hatred and hurt and pain and sorrow, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Friends, it doesn't take us long to look around, to turn on the TV, to know that our world is nothing but peaceful. But Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace. He is the ruler whose reign brings peace in the hearts of all who trust him. Jesus has first made peace with the God on our behalf. And in Christ, we will experience peace and joy and justice and righteousness forever. This is such a contrast between earthly kings who cannot be trusted to bring perfect righteousness and perfect justice and perfect peace. But Jesus can. There is no ruler. There is no king. There is no president like him. There is no prince like him in all the history of the world. This son, this child born that we celebrate at Christmas is the prince of peace. And one day he will bring total peace to all who trust in him. No more war with sin. No more sorrow in our hearts. No more tears. No more hurt. No more pain. No more despair. No more strife. No more enmity between God and man. He will bring all who trust in him into full and final reconciliation with God to experience eternal peace, joy, justice, righteous with him. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. That life begins for a believer at the moment of regeneration. When we trust that Jesus has done everything necessary to save us and put our faith in him, at that moment, we are able to experience the fullness of life, the abundant life that Jesus has for us. So, but how much more are we to experience that when we are with him for eternity? Right, we're called to know the fullness of life and salvation, but also to grow in that, in our sanctification ultimately realized when we are with him. So we think about the Prince of Peace, we look at how ultimately he brings this peace in our own lives. We look to the cross, Isaiah 53, five. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Peace with God. He's the great peacemaker, both vertically and horizontally. John 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Friends, as believers, we have a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that our world and our society cannot cannot fathom and cannot um, produce. Oh, that those who are far from God may see that peace in us, may see the hope that is found in Christ. Jesus comes as a source of true peace, a resting peace. Do you know this resting peace? Where is your source? Where are you seeking to find peace? As we see him here as our wonderful counselor and our 
mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is as Isaiah is pointing the Israelite people to see him. This is who Jesus is today for you, no matter the circumstance that you are walking in. This is who Jesus is. He's your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father and your prince of peace. It's who he is in the moments of crisis. It's who he is in the moments of pain. It's who he is in the moments of a diagnosis. It's who he is in the moments of death. It's who he is in the moments of joy. It's who he is in the moments of laughter. It's who he is on the mountaintops high and the valley is low. So we see the announcement of hope. We see our source of hope. And now finally we see the coming hope. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. As I was preparing and reading a little this week, I think an author in particular um, captured um, this last piece as we look at our coming hope. His name's Gary Smith. And he does a great job at uh, pointing out the characteristics of the kingdom or, or the rule to come. Remember, we have bits and pieces of it. We're tasting it a, a little bit at a time, but one day it will be fully known. And he says this, he says, when this new son rules, he will limitlessly expand his influence and create peace with no end. He says, this ruler will reign on the throne of David and reestablish the kingdom. His method of ruling will be based on the principles of justice and righteousness. This Davidic ruler will reign forever as explained in the Davidic covenant that we find in 2 Samuel 7. It was the one who has promised this, rule, this ruler and this kingdom to come will be realized. The kingdom described was much different than the one the Israelite people were experiencing. And it's much different than the kingdom we are experiencing now. It's the reality of sin and brokenness is not hard to see. Conflicts in Ukraine and Israel, sickness and death around us. There's political unrest and tension, fighting over issues of immigration, the economy, vaccines, the sanctity of life, and on and on. We stand in a divisive posture to defend our political party, yet oftentimes as believers, it feels like we are political orphans. We look to our nation for hope. We find none. We look to our nation and we see that all is not well. The effects of sin and brokenness are apparent. But as we look at this prophecy from Isaiah, it gives us a glorious picture of not only Jesus' first coming, but it gives us a glorious picture of his second coming when all things will be made right. His kingdom will be ushered in in its fullness and sin and brokenness and darkness and hopelessness, church, will be no more. He is our hope in this life and in the life to come. And how do the people of Israel know this? And how do we know this today to be true? How can we have confidence? Isaiah closes this section by saying, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is jealous for his glory. And he is a God who will receive the glory that he is due. So the plan that he is working is a plan that will come to fruition. 
when all things are made right, all things are made new, when God has made a people for himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Andrew Davis would say this, God's zeal for the glory of his son will make this happen forever and no power in heaven or on earth or under the earth can stop it. God is sovereign and in control and he will receive the glory that he is due. Oh, may we be a people who find our hope in him as we hope for his son's return. So I wanna talk to a few groups of people this morning. First, for those of you who have come in today, maybe you were invited by a friend, maybe you just drove by, maybe you got an invitation in some other way. You said, today I'm going to church and you've come in today and you've never found the hope that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. The invitation to you today is to find hope in Jesus. Look, you may have come in in the darkest place of your life. Jesus is the light of the world. Where light exists, there can be no darkness. And through Jesus's life that he lived perfectly as you and I couldn't, through his death that he, des- that, that, that he died, that we deserve, through his resurrection, he offers you today life and life to the full. So your invitation is to find hope today in Jesus. For those of you who are Christ followers, You know, it is really easy for us to wander from our first love, to forget our first love at times. It is easy for us to run after things in life that will not produce the satisfaction and the hope that is found in Christ and Christ alone. I wonder if you veered off in some way. Have you been prone to wander? your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace is calling you back. He's not going to forget you. He sees you. He knows where you are and he's gonna pursue you. And today he's pursuing you and says, come back and find your hope in me. And then perhaps today for both believers and non-believers, And Christmas, I get so happy at Christmas. I love it. But I recognize that Christmas season is not always full of joy for many. I recognize the holidays can oftentimes be really hard. Many of you maybe for the first time just a few days ago had to have a Thanksgiving without a spouse, without a son or a daughter, without a mom or a dad. And 2023 for our church family, it's been a hard year, church. We've lost some good men and women, pillars of our church, your friends, my friends. But don't miss this. In the hard seasons, in the changing seasons, in the circumstances of our life, our hope doesn't waver. Our hope doesn't change. Our hope doesn't shift. Our hope is Jesus. He's our hope in this life and in the life to come. J.D. Greer would say the greatest danger for us 
in this present time is that we will replace God with something else. Oh, may we be a people who see Jesus as our first love. May we be a people who adore Jesus each and every day. May we be a people who remind ourselves, no matter the circumstances, of the hope that's found in the gospel. May we be a people who live in the truth that he is our hope in this life and the life to come. Father, we're grateful for your word today. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Now podcast. We desire that Calvary would be a place of belonging and hope where no one walks alone. If you're not already, we would love for you to join us in person at either of our campuses on Sunday mornings at 9 or 1030. For more information, visit us at calvarynow.com.